Welcome to the Business Buffet Podcast with Ed Bejarana and Phil Anderson. This is a conversation in and around business with a pinch here and a sprinkle there of anecdotal stories. Like most buffets, we'll offer the staples. You know, the things that are in every buffet, the meat and potatoes with a cursory helping of veggies. Ed certainly appreciates that. In addition to the staples, the best buffets serve up a mishmash of food items that are too hard to pronounce but are a necessity. So we'll offer up a smorgasbord of special items too. Our Business Buffet podcast aims to give you the fundamental principles and strategies any successful business needs to know. Please subscribe to the Business Buffet podcast wherever you download your podcast. We hope you're hungry as the Business Buffet is open and ready to serve. Now, here is Ed and Phil. Welcome to today's podcast. We're going to talk a little bit today about a subject near and dear to my heart and yet something that I think just about every small business person in America struggles with, time management. You know, but not time management in the traditional sense, like we get lectures from friends and counselors that we know, manage your time, organize your activities. I'm coming at time management from a slightly different point of view. We own the business. We get to decide who we do business with. Time management, in my point of view, has more to do with the customers that you are working with and less to do with um, finding the business. Uh, it's going to be a little difficult topic for just a moment here, but Go with me for just a second here, Phil. The idea is we get a client from hell, and we all know that client from hell. They, they demand everything, the moon, the stars, the sun, and they, they want to pay a discounted rate to boot. They're right. a client from hell. They probably demand the fire too. Right, absolutely. But in the end, what we find is that our per hour rate has dropped significantly. Oh and our opportunity to take on new customers has suffered greatly because we've been spinning our wheels with the one client who just we couldn't satisfy and i i look over the years past that i've been doing business and before i learned the power of no i would take on you know anybody and everybody somebody would come to my door they'd want to hire me for a service i felt like i didn't have uh, enough customers to fill the time, so I took the job, right? Any, any entrepreneur who's starting out in business, they're gonna do the same thing. They're gonna be worried more about paying the bills and, you know, in my case, put food on the table. But what I found was, is I was spinning my wheels with these clients that just weren't gonna give me a referral in the end. They weren't gonna be happy. And I knew it going in. I knew starting with this particular client they weren't going to be happy and neither was I. It wasn't until about three years into business before I realized that I could say no. I didn't have to take everybody who came through the door. And it, the first time that happened, it, the, the company, they were, uh, they were looking for a new website. They were a, a custodial service, a commercial custodial service. You know, the companies, they come in and they clean your your office at, uh, at nighttime. I owned one. 
the guy was a great guy. I had he's a good friend of mine. He was from a networking group. Um, his partner, however, was a, a challenge. When I was talking to the one guy, my friend, uh, he was really interested in the web development service, and and he wanted to get a quote. I gave him a quote. Talked about what we could do from a a search standpoint, search engine standpoint. He liked what he heard. And then we sat down with his partner and laid the same thing out. And I got that funny feeling. You know that feeling where... It just wasn't feeling right. Yeah, it's like t talking to the partner uh -oh. was like, yeah, boy, I'm in trouble now because <laughs> I got to tell my friend I don't want the job. <laughs> So on the way home from that appointment, I actually called my wife and I said, honey, I'm in a pickle here. Um, yeah, I just got done with the meeting with so-and-so and, and uh, you know, they, they want to hire us to do the website, but I got that funny feeling and I don't think I want to do the job. My wife, the wisdom that she is, the rock, I would be nowhere without her. She said, you'll figure it out. Yeah. No, what she said was, is it's your business. You take on the customers you want to take on. If you're not going to be happy, why do it? There's plenty of other business out there. And I learned a valuable lesson from that statement. There is plenty of other business. You know, in my business, I, I primarily work with other businesses. I'm a B2B based service operation. There's 74 million small businesses in America. And granted, there may be 12 million web developers, but with 74 million businesses needing a website on average about once every three years, there's plenty of business in the marketplace. You figure I can only service about 100 customers a year, even if I was just going balls to the wall, pardon the language. So I called back my friend and I said, you know, on second thought, I, I don't think I'm going to be the right contractor for you. I don't think I'm going to be able to build the website that's going to be successful for your particular business. He was a little taken aback at first. Um, he even said, he said, it was the meeting, wasn't it? There was something in the meeting. You were able to explain. Oh, where well, he came I, back you know, I didn't want bit. to come right out and say your partner's a putz. But... You know, I kind of soft shoot and said, you know, I just I don't think that my personality is going to fit with what your partner is looking for. As an aside, I think we have a new book. Your partner is a putz. <laughs> what? That's a great title. <laughs> I should coin that one right now. Your partner is a putz. Well, as soon as we air this, it's been coined. That's it. So I hooked him up with another web developer. And and actually, we, we talked about six, eight months later after he had gotten his new website built. And he said, you know, Ed, actually, you were spot on. And, and you're right. My partner made it hard on the other web developer. And I saw the amount of time that they were burning through. And I understand that because we were in a networking group together, I talked about the power of no. He says, I understand what you were saying. The power of no is a time management decision. And being able to have the discipline to do that right up front is really where the maturity of your business is determined. So um, hang on one sec as I finish up. I, I'm in the middle of trying to land this one client and we're like 35 emails in. Can we just hang on one second while I, I mean, he's really high maintenance. Just hang on one sec. Oh, wait a minute. 
This is exactly what you're talking about. I think I've got my answer whether I need this guy. Wow, how serendipitous. Uh, so tell me, where do we go with no versus the client I already have and the ability to fire them? Is that also a part of the time management thing you're talking about? It is. I, I had this young lady come on. She is just starting her dental practice in endodontics. I didn't know what that word was until this young woman was referred to me. But um, by this time, I, I was well-versed in the power of no. And I even tell people when I'm interviewing them that I turn down half of the business that comes to me, at least half of the business. Um, I've just reached the point of maturity in my business where I can say no. However, sometimes one sneaks through the cracks. And this, this particular uh, uh, dentist was one. She, I laid it out for her. I don't build websites that it, I, I would call Picasso's. They're business professional websites that work well on the search engines, not an ad for my business. But I, I was just laying it out for her. You know, if you want this big flowery design, I'm not your guy. Let me connect you with somebody who will help you out. And she said, no, no, no. Everybody tells me that you're the best. I want to work with you. I want to work with you. Whatever, whatever we need to do to make it work, we'll work. So fine. I built the first version of the website. And she came back and she said, you know, that color brown is not quite right. And I knew I'd been had. That was it. They're, this is a pixel pusher. Uh, the people who, what they really want is a pretty painting to hang on the wall that everybody can go ooh and ah, rather than something that generates business and brings them money. So I, I took the first time. I made the change that she wanted. And then the next revision came around. Well, this one swoosh. Can it be a little bit more round? This, this arc, this, this, it, it's just not, it's not the shape that I, can we change that shape? I can just hear it too. And you're like, okay, we can do that. And then you do that. And it's like, yeah, maybe not. Can we go back to the original one? Actually make it a little bit more square. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. You know, it just back and forth. Finally, about the fifth change, I said, you know, uh, actually, I'm going to give you your deposit back because I'm not the right contractor. Uh, I have a money-back guarantee during the design phase in my particular business. I found it's just cheaper that way. I just gave her her deposit back, a full refund, and I said, here's a phone number for a gal I think you'll work better with. She is a graphic artist. She is truly an artist. She will be able to create the website of your dreams. This actually sounds like a topic that we may have coming up in the next uh, one or two episodes about what a customer wants and needs. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. Today's episode is sponsored by, well, me on behalf of my new puppy, Roxy. You've heard me talk about my new puppy, but now you have a chance to follow her story. She has her own Instagram page, which you can visit by going to roxythedog.pictures and follow her tale. Roxy was born on July 6, 2019 in Calipspell, Montana. And my wife and I purchased her from a breeder on her 56th day of life. She is pure golden retriever and is loving life. She has an older sister named Brandy, also a golden retriever. Brandy and Roxy can often be seen together on Instagram, playing, wrestling, sleeping, and like everybody else on the social networking, 
Edie. Visit roxythedog.pictures and follow her today and let's make her a star. Really? Your dog is sponsoring this episode? How does this possibly help business people, Ed? Uh, all work, no play makes for a boring life. So what you're saying is business people should spend some time chasing their tail? No, this lesson from my dog, small business people should wag more and bark less. Sounds like sound and golden advice. Our dog Izzy has already followed Roxy on Instagram and you should too. www.roxythedog.pictures. Good girl, Roxy. So when you actually qualify a sit down with a potential client by saying, just to let you know, probably half of the people I meet with, they don't hire me because of me. I don't go that route. That, that also gives you some credibility, plus a sense of urgency uh, that you're sought after, correct? Correct. Uh, as, a, as, a, as a natural byproduct. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because one client uh, actually confided in me after the fact. He said, you know, Ed, when you told me that you turned down half of the business that comes to you, the whole rest of the meeting, I spent trying to figure out how to get you to say yes. Isn't that interesting? I, you know, I told him, I said, it's, honestly, it's not a sales technique. This is, this is Ed being as authentic as I can humanly be. It's not a sales technique, yet it's a sales technique. Yeah, it is a sales technique. But I don't do anything to sell more stuff. I sell more stuff because I am who I am. Right. I, because I know the types of jobs that I'm going to be successful at. Put another way, the successful jobs generate referrals. Right. Most of our business comes from referrals. And those Not, are the kind you want anyway. Exactly. It's, you know, yeah, I do the advertising, the trade shows. I, I hand out the pins and the, the, all of the promotional products that the traditional business does. You know, I have about 19 spokes on my marketing wheel, if you will. But it's the referral business that generates the most dollar amount to my income. And therefore, why would I work with somebody I know I'm not going to be successful? I get a phone call from a financial advisor, say, I need a new website. I tell them I don't build websites for financial advisors. Well, why not? Well, because I can't get you ranked. I can't build a website that's going to generate you any business. And you will be disappointed. I said, ultimately, you're going to measure my skill set based on how many times your phone rings, not how many times somebody visits your website. And I said, in your field, because every Tom, Dick, and Harry is a financial advisor, I'm just not going to... Actually, gonna... Tom retired. Did Tom? Did he? Uh, I'm not going to be able to get your website to rank on the first page. And beyond that, they're not going to call you. Now, that said, I have had three financial advisors. Um, you went against your principles. Well, after I explained all of that, they they even signed, one of them signed a waiver. I was going to say. Uh, I'm not going to hold you to any search engine success. All I want is a static brochure on the Internet. And I think you're the best man to do the job. So even when it comes down to my success meter, if you will, it's not a standards. Anybody who's in business deserves the best. Anybody who takes that risk to hang a shingle out front and put their income in their own pocketbook, mm -hmm. on their own shoulders, they deserve the level best. Uh, and if I don't believe I can be the level best for them, 
I'm going to be honest with them and tell them up front. And what I've found is the goodwill that I get from that approach far and away drives more business to me than if I just took every single job that came through the door. That model alone is gold. And if more business owners subscribe to that model, they'd be so much further ahead. It's taken years for me to get to that point, and I still have a long ways to go. But if you put serve before money all the time, and by serve, I mean authentic, transparent, uh, for, the, for the best results of you and your client, and it may not be uh, they're your client, just potential client that you said no to, when you put those needs first and foremost, that's when things really start coming back in space. You know, I think we're our own worst enemy. Sometimes we're penny wise and dollar foolish. We, we think that we're going to take on this client and we're going to make so much money from that. And what we really lose track of is the number of hours that we're going to have to spend with that client that doesn't quite fit with our personality is going to lower our per hour income. Um, we lose track of the end goal, and that is to be profitable. Well, let me ask you this. So this is, uh, brings up a really interesting question. Where do you draw the line? Because not all business is profitable, yet we want a business that's as profitable as can be. So where do you draw that line of saying no to somebody that will bring down your profit margin versus saying yes to somebody because it's the right thing to do that may bring your profit margin down? Excellent question. You know, the way I did it, um, I re I'm a Rotarian. I, I believe in the motto, service above self. I, I think actually joining Rotary. Um, Can you cite the... Uh, the four-way four test, test of that, course I, I, that I of course was really I struggling to is remember. Is it the truth? Is it fair to all concerned? Will it be beneficial? And will it build goodwill and, and, and friendships? Um, early on, I realized that I was going to be turning down a lot of people, and I was going to kind of feel crummy about it because there, there's people that legitimately I could help. But because of the profession they're in, I just knew that the personality during the build wasn't going to meet. The way I do the, the web projects, I, I don't write their content. I optimize what they give me. And that's kind of a unique posture for my particular business plan. But that comes from their voice, which is more it, authentic than you writing it. It does, but if they can't produce any content whatsoever, I'll, I'll give an example, photographers. Photographers hate words. That's why they're photographers. That's why they're photographers. <laughs> They can take marvelous pictures. They can do things with the camera that I could only dream of being able to do. Picture paints. But then they look at somebody like me who's been in the search engine business now 30 years, and they say, well, why can't you build me a website that will rank on the first page? And I have to tell them, because you have no words. Because Google and Yahoo and Bing and all of them, they still favor the word. Over the image. Over the image. They're getting better about it, but even still, how do you optimize the meaning behind a picture? There's no mechanism to do that. Yeah, we can add fields, but from a photographer's standpoint, I can't get them to rank. It's just not in my bailiwick. It's not in my skill set. So 
when I'm telling a photographer no, they're pumped because they've been referred to me. They've been given high praise. You got to talk to Ed. He's the only one. And then I tell them, can't help you. Sorry. So to kind of get over being bummed about telling people no, uh, what I did was I, I reach out to nonprofits. Again, bringing that Rotarian service above self mentality and, and trying to heal my soul from saying no to so many people. I build free websites for nonprofit organizations. Not all of them. Uh, some, wet, some nonprofits, you know, I'll discount the price severely, but 12 to 20 websites a year I'll build for free for a 501c3 organization. So a nonprofit, and those are include business that are for profit, profit just don't, don't make a profit? No. Because <laughs> those are nonprofits. Right. <laughs> like mine was in the first three years of business. <laughs> No, no, no. True 501c3 organizations. So, uh, you know, that allows me also to keep the repetitions. You know, we're good at our skill set, but each day that passes, our skill set diminishes. The industry changes, trends in the industry change, the wants and wishes of our customers change. And if we don't stay in the marketplace from a competitive standpoint, we can't keep up with those changes. So this is kind of my investment into the business as well as a way to heal my soul from saying no so many times. You know, when you say no, I know it bums you out because you're not serving them, but you can serve them. I'm sure you have done plenty of times where you will still revert for them. You will get an answer to their problem or dilemma, their project, it just won't be in the form of you. Correct. I never say, no, go away, little boy. Right. What I say is, is I'm not going to be the right person for you, and here's why. And, and here's, here's who I suggest you talk to. I've already reached out to them. They're a friend of mine. They're expecting your phone call. By the way, that uh, really helps your credibility, too, because you're not just the bottom dweller, just grabbing whatever money that you can grab uh, for the sake of grabbing money. Well, and it's helped me in my own industry. You know, early on, I was kind of a threat to the web development marketplace, if you will, because I was doing websites radically, radically different from what everybody else was doing. They were using a, a gatekeeper model. And, and for good reason, that's how you make your money. If they have to come to you to make edits, then you can charge an hourly rate and continue to get paid from that customer. Me, I didn't do that. I charged a low price up front and I empowered them to be able to make changes to their own website. And at the time, I was using what was traditionally just a blogging platform for a small business website. And I can't tell you the number of times that I was literally laughed out of the room by other professional web developers. And in just a few short years, they all switched over. And now they try to do websites the way I do, but with a gatekeeper model. Um, in the end, they're out of business and I've been going strong. Uh, I think it's just a customer service mentality. Um, but you found, a, you found a way, a niche, a model that you could tap into that you resonate with, that helps your client, keeps the cost down, gives them a presence on the web, all of the above. See, I'm referring to time management also as business efficiency, because you're exactly right. What I did was being able to say no to clients meant I knew which clients to say no to because I understood my skill sets. And through that no, my business became far more efficient 
my profitability skyrocket. So I know we're getting up against the clock here, but would you say that this model of learning how to say no as a time management tool could be a part of your branding? Absolutely. We should talk about branding. We should talk about branding in a future episode. Like coming up? Maybe, maybe soon, yeah. Time to wrap up. Well, thank you, everybody. I appreciate it. Remember, time management starts with no. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to today's Business Buffet podcast. If you came in hungry for some business nuggets, we hope we left you satisfied. Pardon me. We invite you to visit our website, businessbuffet.page. Until next time, we hope you eat hearty in business. <laughs>